Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. That's awesome. All right, we've been in a series called Encountering God, and this is our fourth and potentially our final message in this series. I'm not sure yet. We may go five, but most likely this is going to be um, the last message. And I really hope that you have enjoyed this series. If you've gotten anything out of this, I want you to know this, that God desires to be encountered. Like he, he desires for us to experience him. Amen. I want you to know this, that God's alive. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is alive. Yep. Now turn to the other neighbor, the one that you didn't want to go to and say, he desires for you to experience him. Okay. Thank you so much for blessing me with that. Um, if people can experience God, I want you to know this, that their lives will never be the same. Like that is what we need more than anything is we need the power of loving God moving in, 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 in our church services. Come on, moving in our small groups. We need the power of, the, of the, the living God moving in our workplaces where you're coming across to, you know, a, maybe an employee or you're even an employer or just a different person that works with you that's having a bad day where you begin to say, listen, you know, I, I, I know this isn't common, but can I pray for you? And then all of a sudden, you being filled with faith, grab their hand, and you begin to proclaim the goodness and the power of God over their situation. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to shift and change because that's what God does. When we encounter Him, when we experience Him, lives change. You never know how God is going to use you. And so I want you to really know this. We've been talking about having these great experiences with God. But I want you to know this, that you have a role to play in that experience. You have a role to play. Like, like you have a part to play. In most situations, come on, people... You know, we're activating faith in some way. Not all situations. Sometimes God would just show up and, and do something incredible. But if you haven't experienced God, it's maybe because you are not, you're, you're, you haven't, you know, you haven't, you know, bowed your, your, your heart towards God. Or maybe there's no expectation. And so I really believe wholeheartedly that many times when God moves, it's because we've got an expectation to receive from him, whatever it is that we need. And so week number one, we talked about how we've got to let go and give God control. We talked about how brokenness precedes breakthrough. Like we can't really come to God. I mean, we can, but we can't really come to God with a lot of pride in our life. But God has moved in and through a humble heart when our, when our hearts are broken. And so oftentimes, um, you know, brokenness precedes breakthrough. Week number two, we talked about the importance of allowing God to be the one that defines who you are. Everybody's going to put something on you. And some of you, it's unfortunate, but some of you were raised in homes where, where maybe you were told from a little, you know, little child that you're stupid and you're never going to amount to anything. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter what's spoken over you, 
by a, by a parent, I want you to know that God can restore you and he can give you a proper identity. Come on, people are putting things on us all the time. You can't, you can't live in the world that we live in without some sort of an expectation you know, being put on you. We, we have defined what success looks like. And oftentimes our definition is different than what God defines as success. Amen? And so we talked about that in week two. Number three, last week we talked about how God will show up and move in the middle of your pain. I want you to know that in a time whenever even non-believers, like people that don't even believe in God, when bad things happen, it's amazing how God gets the blame for it. It's like you don't even believe in God. Like you, 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 you've always just prided, you know, you've been proud about the fact that, you know, you people that serve God, it's a weak man's religion. You know, you just need something like that good for you, that all works for you. But at the moment something devastating happens, now God, the one that you don't even believe in, is the one that gets blamed for it. And we have a tendency, when bad things happen, we run away from God, don't we? We do, we do. We run away from, from God. I knew he didn't love me. I knew he didn't care. He doesn't even have his eyes on me. And, but I'm just telling you this, that God shows up in the middle of our pain. In fact, he says this. He says a lot of things like this, but, but he draws close to those who are broken in their spirit or broken in their heart. And so God is present, sometimes even, well, I'm not even going to say that because it's not true. He's present always, but God is definitely present in the middle of your pain. And instead of running away from him, come on, run to him and he will do great things. And so today we're going to talk about the importance of worship. I love that, the importance of worship. I did this first service. I thought it went off pretty well, so I'm going to do it again second service. And that's this. What if everybody worshiped like you worshiped this morning? See, I know, I know a little bit about humanity because I'm a human. And there are some times, unfortunately, where, you know, it might be three quarters into the last song that we're singing before I even start focusing on the Lord. Like that happens to the best of us or the worst of us, however you want to say it. But what happens, what if everybody worshiped God like you worship God? Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? Um, some of you, hey, guys, Matt, Matt gets up. Hey, everybody, stand to your feet, man. Praise the Lord. And I'm not talking about those that have a medical issue. You know, this just, I'm not talking about you. But immediately the song starts going, the drums start playing, and you sit down. What if everybody worshiped God like you worship God? Amen? So we're talking about worship. Some of you, like Brad, I saw her today. She got down, but she went past her seat, and she got on her knees, and she lifted her hands and she began to just worship God. I just love that. Absolutely love the heart of God. I'm going to pursue you whether I feel like it or not. John chapter 4 and verse 23 says this. And Jesus is the one that said it. So it's super important that you listen. He said, yet a time is coming. And now the time is already here. We're true worshipers. Now listen. Because the word true is there, it means that there's false worshipers as well. And so there are people that worship God, but their heart is far from God. But he said, the time is coming and it's already here where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Listen, if you're having a hard time finding God, 
Start worshiping and he will find you. Because he is seeking, come on, for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and truth. You know, I hear all the time, man, you know what? God just doesn't speak to me like he speaks to you. And I don't experience God and I just want to. And how do I? Let me give you one word. One word, if, if that's you right now, you're like, you know what, I haven't, I haven't heard from God in years, maybe 10 years, five years. I used to hear from God all the time, but now I never hear from God. Let me give you one word, worship. Because if you begin to worship God, he will show up because you know why? His word says he will. Come on, he is actively seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Maybe, possibly, potentially, might be, that you just forgot how to worship. You forgot how to desire and have a hunger and thirst after a God that is so good to you. Amen? Oh, life is doing pretty good. I'm just kind of, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm making my way. And we forget that God is the one that positioned you where you are so that you can use your shortcomings, your hardships, your difficulties for victories to not only help yourself but to help other people. We forget that God is the one that did the miraculous work to position you where you are. Come on, there used to be a time of worship because you were so thankful that he pulled you out of the pit, the disaster of life that, that you found yourself in. And so now all you can do is just raise your hands and say, man, my God is so good. I'm so grateful. Everybody else is quiet. I don't care. I'm going to be like, "Woo! praise the Lord. He has been good to me. Amen. But, but then we, we get all proper and we're just like, yeah, you know, I've learned some things over. You know, I've, I've just I've just I've come a long way and I've learned some things. And we have lost the passion and the heart for God because we have because we've been living the blessed life maybe for too long or for for long enough that we've, you know, our memories have gotten shortened. And so God is attracted to your Worship, he's searching for it. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So, so we're really great at, at believing that God How many believe that God exists? Yes. Praise the Lord. There's nothing to celebrate. Even the devils believe. Even the demons believe that God exists. And so we think we're doing pretty dang good, man. I believe that God exists. He's like, that's no big deal. The devil himself knows that I'm real. But we, we fail. We come up short to, to, to finish the latter part of the scripture that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now listen, if I was to ask you, when was the last time that you diligently sought the Lord? Like some of you would say, just about 33 seconds ago. While others might say, man, it has been years since I've diligently sought the Lord. Like diligently just gone after the Lord. And I'm saying, it's good to believe that he exists, but he rewards those who diligently seek him. Come on. If the church would get back to doing what the church is called to do, like the basics. Get rid of the lights. I like them. Get rid of them, though. Get rid of, get rid of, get rid of, just get rid of all the things that are just fluffy. If the church would get back to prayer and worship and fasting, come on, you would see a church that's filled with power. And you would see a church that's transforming the very community that it's in. Amen? 
God is calling us back to the basics. Don't get so stuck on the lights and, the, and, the, and this cool fishbowl thing that we've got here. I love that. That is so great. But like, like that's not going to do anything for you. Amen? But when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Amen? I'm telling you, the, the church is being called back to the simplicity of the gospel. Come on, the simplicity, the power of the relationship. God desires your heart. He desires your attention. And if you're just trying God, you know, trying God. I remember when I was a kid going to the swimming pool, there would be those people that would never get in because they stick their first three toes in the water and it was too cold. I went right to the diving board. I'm like, it's all or nothing, baby. And if it's too cold, then, then I'll get used to it real quick. Right? They, they, they're not, they just spent their $1 to get in the pool and they're not even swimming half the day because it's too cold. I'm, I'm in. It's like going to a dance in high school. I never understood those kids that stood on the wall afraid to ask somebody to dance. I just went out and started either dancing by myself or I would just go ask a girl. She'd say no. I'd ask her best friend. I'd say, I wasn't asking you anyway. <laughs> you mistake. You were mistaken that I was asking you. I was asking your friend. And I would be dancing because I went to the dance, not to sit on the wall. We used to go to the skating rink. That was another one. I loved couple skate. That means you could grab a girl by her hand and skate. Maybe you weren't allowed to go. I wasn't serving the Lord back then. So. But this whole thing, this whole worship thing, it reminds me of the difference between a dog and a cat. Now, I've got... I've got a dog. I've got a dog that's about 11 years old. Um, his name is Max. He's a yellow lab. He's a great dog, faithful dog. If you were riding with me and we were going to my house, nine times out of ten, I'm going to say, watch this. Like my wife's with me and I tell her all the time, watch this. She's like, yeah, I know, Max. You're going to hit the garage door to pull in and Max is going to come running out. I say it anyway. She already knows. I'm like, watch this. Max is so excited. The garage door is going up. It gets up about six inches. Now, he's a big dog. He probably weighs 110 pounds. I don't know. He's a big dog. He's, he's trying to force himself under the garage door to get out to where I'm at. And he's just like, he's so happy. He's got his tongues just flopping all over. Eyes are huge, big. That big old tail is just beating the side of my truck. And he's just looking up at me. He don't go to the, the passenger side because he's, I'm the one that he loves. I'm the one. He knows that I'm driving. I'm the one that he loves. I get out of the car. I'm like, boy, how you doing? He's like, he's so happy. He's like licking, jumping. I told first service that, there's a lot of people that won't let a dog lick them. I don't understand that. I let them lick my hand. I'll get down and let them kiss me on my face and everything. That's how a dog shows its affection to you is to kiss you all over your face and, and all that stuff. Some of you are sicked out. Others of you are cool because you do the same thing. But Max literally is so happy. In fact, I could scream at Max for getting in the garbage, yell at him, get outside, Max. I could go inside a minute and a half later, come back out, and he's still just happy to see me. He forgot that I was angry and upset. And then there are cats. 
Like, you might love that cat, and you're like, man, I just want to pet the kitty. You're like, here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, 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 here, kitty, kitty. That cat's just over there just like, are you kidding me? I ain't moving. And so if you want to pet the cat, you've got to go over to the cat. You've got to approach the cat, putting yourself in danger, because when you get to the cat, you don't know what you're going to get. The cat might bite your finger. He might scratch you. He might not have anything to, to do with you. And that's why there's no cats in heaven. Somebody's upset. Somebody just right now declared, I'm never going back to that church again. They talked negatively about cats. I was a joke, so it was a joke. But this is the deal. Some of us approach God not like a dog, but like a cat. Some of us approach God, and, you know, our approach is like this. I'm going to go to church, but if God's going to do something, he's going to have to come to me. And I'm just telling you this, that, that worship is really more in line with Max, my dog, chasing after me, pursuing me, doing whatever he can to get my attention, letting, letting me know that he, he loves me and that, and, that, and that I'm the most important thing in his life. A cat sits over there, and sometimes our worship is more like a cat. You know what, if, God, if, he, if he shows up, you know, cool, but I'm not expecting much. And then when he does show up and he starts moving on your heart, he doesn't know what he's going to get because, you know, we may push him away or we may reject him or we might not like what it is that he's asking us to do. And I'm just saying this, that God desires your worship much like Max worships me. I want to share with you two stories today. The first one's found in Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 14. To, pair, to, to kind of, you know, set this up, there's a king of Judah. His name is Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat's afraid because he hasn't heard from God in a period of time. And now he's surrounded by an enemy army that wants to do nothing less than destroy him and his people and wipe them off of the, off of the map. And, um, and, and so we pick up in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 14. It said, the spirit of the Lord came on a man by the name of Jehaziel. So, so the spirit of the Lord bypassed the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and it, and it came and it landed on a man by the name of Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite. So a Levite, like this is huge right here because Levites, the Levitical priesthood, these people were worshipers. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say worshiper. Turn to your other neighbor and say a worshiper. Come on. He was a, he was a Levite. He was from the, the, that line. And it goes on to say he was a descendant of Asaph. Asaph was the chief musician, come on, for King David. Somebody say a worshiper. So here, here's all these people. You've got the king and, and all these people that are afraid. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord comes on this, this man, Jehaziel. Come on. He was a Levite. He was a descendant of Asaph, which was the chief musician of King David. And he stood in the assembly. And he rises up. And he begins to speak. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, 
but it's God's. So my question to you is, where does this conviction come from? Where does this certainty come from, from Jehaziel? Come on, to, to, to just over-talk maybe even the king. Like, listen, you had to be careful how you acted in the presence of a king. They could just lock you up and forget about you. They could cut your head off. I'm not saying that Jehoshaphat would do this. But, but I mean, this guy just stood up boldly proclaiming that, listen, this battle is not your battle, but it's the battle of the Lord's. And then all of a sudden, because he spoke this, the peace of God began to reign because God never loses. He never loses. Come on, that's a powerful word. It goes on to say, well, first of all, why did it go to Jehaziel? Because I believe he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. He was familiar with the presence of God. He was familiar with the voice of God. Come on, he had heard the voice of the Lord before, and so it gave him confidence. He realized the voice that, we was, that he was hearing was even greater than that of the king. Second Chronicles, in verse 20 of, of chapter 20, says this, Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Listen, the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. He said, listen, this isn't our battle. This is, this is the, the Lord's battle. And then all of a sudden, something changed in the king's mind where he was fearful one second. Now he was filled with faith the next second. Come that's what God does amen that's what he does and it came through the worshiper it came through the one that knew the presence of the Lord that knew how to get into you know a, that, that special place of intimacy with God it goes on to say have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld have faith in his prophets and you'll be successful after consulting the people King Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And, and, and as they went out, they did so at the head of the army. Like, listen, you can read this and you might just skip over that. But let me tell you what happened. There was an enemy on one side and there was, there was the army of God on the other side. And so this is what King Jehoshaphat did. King Jehoshaphat said, listen, uh, you guys that have those shields, I want you to come, pull back just a little bit. Um, you guys with the spears, I want you to pull back just a little bit. Hey, you guys with the swords, I want you to step back just a little bit. And then he began to address everybody. Hey, where are my worshipers? Where are my singers? Where are the people that have a song of the Lord on your heart? And he began to identify them. He, where are the ones that wear the choir robes? And he set those. Today it would be like, who are the ones with the skinny jeans? I want to, you know, the skinny jeans. I'm going to set you out in front of, of, the, of the army. Could you imagine this enemy army over here looking back and saying, what is this? These guys are, are strong warriors, battle, uh, battle scars all over them. And they're looking back. They're looking over and they see the worshipers. They're thinking, what are these guys trying to do? And so he sends the worshipers on ahead. Can you imagine? This isn't the first time that we see this. 
I want to go back a little bit. So, so Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And so they're worshiping and they're saying these words, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I remember an old song we used to sing, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, his love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. Come on, his love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. Come on, this is the very scripture that this song was written on. I don't know when it was written. Sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong. I don't know the rest of the words, so I'm going to stop right here before I go on. Woo! I'm telling you, there's something powerful that happens when you begin, come on, to sing praise to the Lord. And the Bible says that as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Come on, it was worship that defeats. It's worship that causes God to show up. And guess what? There is no difference between this and the enemy that you're facing. If you begin to worship God in the midst, when you're thinking, I'm drowning, you're throwing up one finger because you're sinking, two fingers because you're sinking at that third finger, if you could just sing praise with the voice, with the breath that you have in your lungs, God's going to show up and he's going to deliver you. Why? Because he promises he will do so. Come on, your answer to the difficulties in life is worship. That's it. He wants you to worship him. Praise God. There's times where you're sapped, where you're challenged. You don't feel like worshiping. You, you don't feel like, you know, God has been good to you. Worship anyways. Come on, there have been times where I've been discouraged. I shared with first service. One of the problems of, of pastoring and being just a person like, like pastors are, we're just people. We're just people. People think that we're different. We're just people. So we get discouraged and, and ran down. And, and there have been times in my life where, where I get up and I preach my heart out and I give my best. And, 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 and I'm, just, I'm just like, Lord, you know, I'm going. But then all of a sudden, I take my eyes off of God, which I can do just like you can do. I can take my eyes off God and begin to put it on people. And then all of a sudden, this person's getting divorced or this couple's getting divorced. This person, you know, has stopped going to church. This person says that they don't even know if they believe in God anymore. And I can, I can start getting, you know, down on myself and thinking, man, is there anything that I am doing that's making a difference? 
And about that time, I recognize that the voice that I'm listening to is not the voice of the Lord. It's the voice of discouragement because I've got my eyes on people instead of keeping my eyes on the Lord. And what do I do in that moment? I begin to praise Him even if I don't want to praise Him. I begin to say, God, You are good. You are mighty. God, You're in control. You are all authority. You are love. Come on. You are showing up. You are changing lives. You are transforming people. And guess what? About usually within 10 minutes of worshiping him, putting on a little music, worshiping him, I start feeling encouraged. But guess what? Sometimes it doesn't take 10 minutes. Sometimes it takes 20, 30, an hour. Sometimes it takes a few days. But I promise you, if you will continue but to worship him and praise him and say, regardless of what things look like in our nation, regardless of of the state of COVID-19, regardless of all the garbage that's being, you know, propagated, come on, on the news and in social media, regardless, God is in control. I'm telling you, he will show up and he will encourage you and you will begin to receive and begin to move in a strength that you hadn't experienced in a little while. I'm telling you. Quit shouting, Travis. Settle down just a little bit. Getting a little fired up up here. I'm not mad, I promise you. I'm just trying to encourage you. The second story that I want to share with you is a story that's very popular. It's the story of Paul and Silas. It's found in the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 22. Paul and Silas are doing ministry and then all of a sudden there's a little girl that's chasing them, causing them trouble and difficulty. And she's a demon-possessed girl. This is the first girl that was probably trafficked of all girls that have ever been trafficked or all people that have been trafficked. But she wasn't, she wasn't trafficked for, you know, for, for uh, sexual reasons. This girl was trafficked because she was able to, to fortune tell. She was able to, you know, people would pay her and, and, and she would tell their future. And then she would take the money and the money didn't go in her pocket the money went to the man that was, that was kind of, you know, setting her up. So he was getting wealthy. She was getting nothing. And so, so this girl, she's, she's pursuing Paul and Silas. And they just got fed up with her. They identified, wow, this girl's got a demon. Can I just tell you just real quick that demons are real and the devil's real. And it's not just in scary books, but it's, it's genuinely real. Like people are de- demon-possessed. Some of them are demon-oppressed. Um, but demons are real. We don't talk enough about this. Um, we like to call it all kinds of other things, and that's not what this service is about. But I'm telling you, sometimes the greatest thing that can happen for somebody else is for somebody with authority in the Lord just simply to say, Devil, come out in Jesus' name. You don't have to scream, shout, dance. I mean, I don't know. You know, there's probably a lot of different things that happen, but sometimes it's just taking authority and saying, you know what? By the blood that was shed on the cross, I take authority over this situation. I command you, devil, come out. And, and that's exactly what Paul, they didn't have to chant, rave, scream, shout, just basically said, you know, listen, you that is unclean, come out of her, and it had to come out. And so... And so came out, and, and now this girl, come on, that had been bound by these demons for all these years is now set free, but now she doesn't have the ability to fortune tell the future. 
Uh, just a side note real quick. If you're messing around with tarot cards and horoscopes and fortune telling, it blows my mind how many people that call themselves Christian also mess around with some of this other area that's just just garbage. Read your word. You will find that the reason why she was able to tell fortunes and, and do these things because there was a demonic spirit that was inside of her. Don't mess with that garbage. Don't get up and read your horse. Well, pastor, you just don't understand because everything that it says, it lines up and it, and it happens just like it says. Well, listen, just because that's happening doesn't mean that it's good for you. In fact, it might lead, be leading you farther away from, you know, from God to the point where you're, you, you, you just don't return anymore. Don't play with that garbage. If you are playing with it, get rid of it. And, and make the decision today, no more. It, it, just, it really baffles me sometimes where, where people will, you know, they'll, they'll bring in people that are not Christian people and say, hey, listen, I'm bringing this person in, a medium. Do you want to talk to your dead folks? Do you want to talk to your, do you want to talk to your brother that you, that, you, that you lost? And they're messing around with all this other garbage. And I'm just saying, listen, why are you going to go to somebody uh, less than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Amen. Come on, he is all-powerful, almighty. There is none like him. He doesn't know of any other. So this crowd gets angry. This crowd gets angry because this woman, this little girl, is not able to make money for her master anymore. No money. The guy gets mad. Acts chapter 16, 22, a mob quickly forms against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden, with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, the Bible says, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Come on, they were exercising the secret that I'm sharing with you today that's really not a secret. We've just gotten away from it. The, the simple things, the powerful things in life is prayer, fasting, worship. Prayer, fasting, worship. Fasting, what's that mean? Take Facebook off? No, don't eat for a period of time and give yourself to, to praying. Prayer, fasting, worship. It works. It's powerful. Amazing things happen. And the Bible says that as they began to sing and praise God, the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Come on, not only did it help them, but it helped others that are around them. Like, listen, when you prepare your heart Sunday morning to go to church, like you're prepared, you're reading your word, you read your scripture, you're thanking God, you come to church, you're ready to praise and worship, you stand up, begin to praise and worship. You don't know who's going to be close to you that is going to be affected because of your worship. Because these two men praised and prayed to the Lord because they did it. Come on, everybody else was set free that day. You don't know that person that comes and gives God one more chance. You know what? Before I make a, a, a terrible decision to hurt myself, come on, you don't know. Who is going to be sitting three rows behind you that day that they're going to be moved because the Spirit of the Lord shows up because of your praise and your worship? This is why online church, I just want to talk to you just for a second. It's important that you're here. 
When you can be here, when you feel safe to be here, come into the house of the Lord because there's more ministry that can happen before and after service sometimes than happens during the service. And if you are ready and prepped and and focusing on the Lord, I'm telling you, God will use you. Oh, by the way, you might be the one on the encouraged side, like, like somebody else may bless you because they've come. And so it's important that you're here. I love hide-and-seek. Hide-and-seek's a fun game. Anybody like hide-and-seek? I've got a three-year-old grandson. I started teaching Stetson hide-and-seek when he was about two years old, maybe even younger than that. It's like, hey, you want to play hide-and-seek? Yeah, Paul, Paul, let's play hide-and-seek. So our hide-and-seek at that moment consisted of us sitting on the couch right next to each other, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to close my eyes. You go hide, and he stays sitting there but throws a blanket over his head. So I would get up, and I would go to the pantry. Stetson, I'd be like talking him all the way. Stetson, are you in the pantry? He'd, he'd be giggling. <laughs> no, Papa, I'm not in the pantry. He'd be talking to me, though. Look behind the couch. Are you there? No. He'd go to the different bedrooms. Is Stetson in here? He'd be like, no, Papa, I'm not there. And then I'd go lift up the blanket. He'd laugh. Oh, you found me. Well, our hide-and-seek has gotten a lot more serious now. Like he's a better hider, and I love to hide because I usually like to hide, make it difficult, you know, for him to find me. But how many of you know the whole idea of hide-and-seek is to be found? Like some of you are like me. If you were never found, you'd still be there. You, 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 would, still, you would still be hiding. So thank the Lord that you got found. But I'm telling you what, there's something incredible about the seeking and the finding. You know, the seeking is exciting because when I'm hiding from Stetson, he already knows when Papa gets found, he's coming out with a blast. Like if he's searching, I mean, I'll, I'll, just, I'll be like, hey, I'll just like, you know, so there's an anticipation where, where he's like, I really want to find him, but I don't know if I want to find him because Papa's not quiet. He scares me every time he gets found. So I'm excited about him finding me, but it's also fun to be on the seeking end. And I'm just saying this, that God loves to be sought after. And this is what I can tell you when you when you give your heart to seeking after him, because this is this is no fun when you play hide and seek with somebody and they go like to the first place. Hey, you in here? No. And then they go sit on the couch and watch TV and you're still hiding like that's no fun for them. And it's no fun for you. But there's something exciting. It's like, man, I've checked all these three rooms. I'm getting closer. Like there's only so many places that he can be. I'm getting closer. So when you passionately pursue God, and he's not one to keep himself from you, but it is so exciting. Come on, when he shows up because you've been diligent, you've been putting in a little work, and he's like, listen, I'm the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, when you come and look, this is the message version, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. If you're doing the halfway walk with God, you're not going to be satisfied. You're going to be, you're going to be bored because there's no power in a halfway walk with God. I'm telling you, the best thing you can do is go all in. Tell your brother next to you, go all in. Your sister next to you, say, go all in. I'm closing with this. Give me just a few. I'm already way over. I'm going to close this real quick, okay? 
The Bible says in Mark chapter 12, in verse 28, it says this, One of the teachers of the law came, and they heard Jesus debating with some others. And the Bible says, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, this teacher of the law asked Jesus a question. He said, of all of the commandments, of all the commandments that, that are out there, there's many, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? And Jesus said, of all the commandments, this is the one that's most important. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he says this, he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Somebody say all of your heart. It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength. And so I'm going to give you, I'm going to break these three down. How do you love God with all your heart and all your soul. Come on, you express to Him through worship. Come on, how much you love Him, how much you appreciate Him. You express to Him. Could you imagine being married? Some of you are married. Most of you are married. If you're not married, but you're living together, get married. If you're not married, but you're acting like you're married, just get married. How would it be being married to somebody and you say, I love you, but there's no grabbing of hands. There's no kisses on the mouth. There, there's, there's no affection. There's no hugs. In fact, when you retire at the end of the night, she goes to her room and you go to yours. But yet the words are, I love you. I love you too. But there's no affection. And I'm just saying that God desires our affection. He desires more than, than just, I love you. He wants your heart. He wants everything. So that's how you do it. I think it's interesting. The longest book in the Bible, the book of Psalms, it has 150 Psalms. The very last verse, the 150th Psalm says this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I think the last words that are spoken are sometimes the most important. In fact, think about this, like your first words that were spoken as a baby, like those are really cool. It might've been I'm sure it was dad. I'm guessing. I'm just, I'm, I mean, I mean, probably everybody's first words was dada. I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. But your last words, like let's say you're dying on your deathbed. You've got all of your ability to speak and think and, and you gather your family around your bed. And those words that you begin to share with your family before you transition from this life to the next are going to be a little bit better than dada or Mama, it's going to carry a little bit more weight. So let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Come on, that deals with, like if you read the book of songs, it deals with shouting, singing, dancing, clapping your hands, playing musical instruments, praising the Lord with cymbals and loud noises. In fact, I shared with our first service that oftentimes our football games and our baseball games look more like worship in the book of Psalms than our churches do. And listen, I'm grateful for what it is that we have in our our worship house. Like, I'm thankful for it. But I'm telling you what, there is a day that's coming where, where, where your reserved worship isn't going to be enough, not for God, but for you. Like, if the presence of God, like Jesus manifests in the flesh, walked in here, we would probably fall to our face. We wouldn't even probably look up at him. We wouldn't make icon because we would, we, would, we would honor him and worship him so much. We would probably call, crawl to his feet and just lay at his ankles. 
Not caring what anybody else thought. Not caring about another world. Not coming into this place. Come on, fearful because of what may happen tomorrow. It's like, man, I'm in the presence of greatness today. I'm going to give God my everything. So I'm telling you, if you're not a worshiper right now, you will be at some point. So let's just figure out how to get it. How to get it put together now, amen? I am preaching a whole lot greater than what... Are we just tired? Are we ready? I know I went 14 minutes and 50 seconds over, but I'm telling you, what I'm sharing with you is exactly what it is that you need, especially in the day that we live in. I am preaching because God is wanting us as a people to identify how important the simple things are, the basic things are. Let's not just treat God's word like, like, yeah, that was, that was really, that was really great. Come on, the idea of a message being spoken is to bring about change in the life of the, the, the person that listens to it. This is why the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Next thing you know, you forget about the king. Next thing you know, the king is encouraging the people because the Spirit of the Lord that was on Jehaziel affected his heart and brought about change. And now he's saying, listen, worship God. Listen to the prophets. Trust the Lord. When he was fearful just a few sentences earlier. I'm telling you, the spirit of the Lord is in this place. Maybe I'm screaming too much. Maybe I just, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just trying to pull something together here. Work with me just a little bit. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I worship God with all of my mind. How do you do that? Give God the first of your day. Before you turn on the news, we talk about this a lot. Before you get on Facebook, come on, just just spend a moment, even if it's in bed, Lord. Wow, another day. What do we have in store today? What good things do we have going you know, today, expectation, appreciation. You know, sometimes I was driving down the road just the other the other day. I'm driving, and my wife, out of nowhere, we haven't talked, we haven't said anything. She just reaches over and starts just caressing my hand, holding my hand. And and I thought to myself, that that is so awesome. That means that she's thinking about me. Whatever was going on in her mind, she grabbed it, and she just didn't grab it and hold it. She grabbed it, and she was. It felt really nice. I'm giving her permission to do that more if she wants to do that. But she just did it. Out of, and I thought to myself, how beautiful and sweet is that? That that I am I am the one, I'm the one that she's thinking about, that she did this for and to. It's so beautiful. And God sometimes has got to appreciate because we're made in his image and likeness. He's got to love it when we just out of the blue, you know, we're busy, blah, 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 putting all this stuff aside, even if it's just for five minutes and just say, God, I'm just so grateful. God, I just love you. God, you've been so good to me. I just love you. I love you. God, I love you. I don't know how. I just, I love you, and I'm thinking about you. My mind is, is on you. Number three, I worship with all my strength. How do you do that? You use your abilities. Like every person that is a Christian should be serving someplace in the local church, period. How do you love God and serve God with all of your strength? You use your abilities. Like there should never, in, in a church our size, there should never one day be somebody saying, man, we can't find anybody to help with Awana. Man, we can't find anybody to help run the camera in the back. You know, I'm using a gift that there's a lot of people that are much better than I am. Some people that are not as good, but it's not about how great you are. It's about just using what it is that God has given you to use. Matthew Johnson, great musician, great worshiper. He's not the best musician. 
He's not the worst musician. But if he's doing his job right, he's simply leading worship because he loves the Lord. The person that, that, that's behind that glass there that's a mirror that you can't even see. There's a person always back there. You can't see her. She's out of the way. I promise you she's not doing what she's doing to be seen. But there is nothing. Like she does all this stuff, makes it all beautiful and all come together because that's what she can do as unto the Lord. Not to get accolades or attaboys or or praise from humans. She's just using a gift that she's developed. Come on. So find a spot to serve, even if it's not your primary spot. How do you praise the Lord with all your strength? You use your abilities to do so. You guys receive the word of the Lord today. Tell you what, we're going we're gonna to worship. We've got a baptism as well. And um, I want you to stand to your feet with me. Matthew, if you would lead us and let's get ready for this baptism. Let's sing praise to him. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 845 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.